And it's that time. It's 8 o'clock or a little after 8 on Wednesday night. It is Dr. Simcha Cohen. And we are very happy we have Nisim back this week. Last week I was all alone, Nisim. was very lonely. Lonely? Very lonely. <laughs> very lonely. I was talking to myself. It's not, it's not, it's not so fun to talk to yourself. But anyways... You so know, this is the best thing for it, but to do it, you know? I know, uh, I know. He's, but he's but to do it with thousands of people listening. It's not exactly. <laughs> that. The truth is, it's a good thought. Because we do things and we think that no one's watching. But the truth is, Hashem's always watching. So there's no such thing as really he's but to do it. But sometimes you see people doing things and they think that no one's looking at them and everybody's watching them. And they're acting silly. You know, so, Doctor, uh, when I talk to the mic... Yeah. For me, I'm st- me and myself. I'm talking to myself. You know, I don't know if I hundred thousand, ten people, one people, one li- one listener listen to it. But this is for me my my shvichatalev. You know. I understand. I also I it's, talk to myself when I'm talking to my. I never say something that I don't really believe in. I don't feel. And the truth is, I have the best opportunity because I speak to kids, and there's nobody better than kids to speak to. They're, so you know what? Let's let's listen, let's listen to the kids right. and let's see let's see what they're thinking about. Hello, you on there? Hello. Hello, you're on the air. I have Lower your radio. Okay. Hello, you're off the air. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it wasn't so okay. the first one. First one. First one. So so you know what? I was thinking like this. Kids are going away. Everybody's making plans. And everybody is thinking about the summer, this and that. And everybody has their own opinion about what to do. So my question is, what is the best way to spend the summer? Because some people say sleepaway camp. Some people say stay home. Some people go to the mountains. Some people go to Israel. And I think that there's always going to be somebody that feels bad. Doctor, you push the, the really uh, sensitive uh, point now because uh, I know that my kids has the same uh, you know problem, especially one of my kids uh, don't know what to what to do, what to spend. Uh, fr- uh, the friends is going to Israel, going to this or where you know this, and it's really a very big uh, dilemma for us as a parents. So let's see uh, the kids. What do they think about it? What do they think about their parents? What the parents should do about it? Sometimes the parents cannot uh, pay it. Sometimes the parents cannot stay, you know, when, where to send them, how to send them. Well, it's, it's a big uh, dilemma, isn't it's it? It's a big dilemma. And also when kids say, I need this and I need that. Hi, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, what's the topic? Topic is summer. What to do in the summer and what do you think kids should do? What do you think a kid needs to do in the summer? I think they have to run and play and chill out. Okay, that's true. I agree with that. And the whole reason to do that is to like gather up all of our strength for the, uh, the you know, when, when September comes, right? What do you do in the yeah. summer? What do you do in the summer, Tari? This year? Yeah. This year I'm going to camp for first half and second half. I go to the Bonkai, and like for a week we usually go to New Hampshire or something. Very, very, very smart. Family trip. Big on family trips. Yeah, but it's not my own entire family. It's only because we usually go like more like we climb high mountains and those stuff. Like the little kids can't do those stuff. So uh-huh. we do just like an older kid trip. 
Okay, that's very good. That's very good. So I think it's a good mix of everything. Okay, sounds like fun. I hope you have a great summer. You have problem with other? If you, you have a smaller uh, brother, sister? Me? Yes. I have one smaller sister, and I have um, one, two, two smaller brothers. Okay, so do you feel that uh, you sacrificed something for for their benefit? No, I'm t- what, what do you mean? That they want to do something else that you want. Yeah, right, of course. Like, so we would probably go on a minor trip for them also. Okay, beautiful. All right, all right, all right very good. I think that that's, I think that there has to be some times where everybody does everything together also. And that's, I guess that's the holidays, right? Yeah, of course. That's why we go to Bonkai. And second half, we have all my brothers coming from Shiva. And, that, and that's when we can spend time together. Okay. That's the way to do it. Thanks for calling. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Hi, you're on the air. Hello, you're on the air. I guess you're not. You're off the air. Hello, you're off the air. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about it, you know. I, I think it's a bad subject. I could, you know, but uh, maybe this, uh, the, some kids are afraid about the responsibility. I also think that some kids have a conflict that they want to say something, but they don't want their parents to feel bad, and maybe so. So, okay, change the topic. Change the topic. You know what? Shavuot is coming, Kabbalah Torah, lots of really good things. Let's talk about, we can talk about Shavuot. The, what, what, what it means, we had an Omer, or we could talk about, we could talk about, you know, I want to talk about, I want to talk about safety in the summer. You know what, that's something that really bothers me. Kids go around without helmets, and it really bothers me, because it's something kids have to like, and kids give an argument about that. What do you, what, I wonder what kids think about that. There's so much to talk about. I don't know, do you have an opinion about that? I saw some kids that have a helmet that goes on top of their hat. I would... I don't know. They, 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 they took out the inside. They, they put the helmet, goes mamash on top of their yeshiva hat, and they, and they wear it. Oh, this either has a very tiny hat. It's a very big helmet. <laughs> big helmet. I saw a kid. <laughs> okay, that's... He walked a, into Landau's. You see everything in Landau's. Yeah. There's everything you see in Landau's. If, if you're going to see it, you're going to see it at Landau's. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine how it's looked like. <laughs> no, you have okay. We have a listener. <laughs> okay, you're on the air. Hello? Hi. Hello? What's on your mind? I don't know. I heard uh, you're talking about camp. Yeah. What, 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 what are you doing in the summer? Um, I'm going to camp. And you're, going to s- you're going to sleepaway camp? Yeah, second half. Okay. The first half, two weeks, we're in the city. Okay. And two weeks in um, in a bungalow Okay, let me ask you a question. What about a kid that's afraid to go to sleepaway camp? Could you give him any advice? Give him advice. Some uh, kids just don't want to go away from home. Do you think that there's anything wrong with that? Oh no! If they want to stay home, they can stay home. Sleepaway camp's only for people who want to go to sleepaway camp. Right, because like, so I, I want any kid that doesn't like to go to sleepaway camp out there to know there's nothing wrong with them. It's okay. You cannot. You can. You can want to stay home. It's okay. Not every kid needs to have to needs to go to camp. They they make it like you have to. You have to. But, anyways, that's good. So you got a good mix. I think like the whole summer camp could sometimes be a little too much. Yeah. Well, you don't have to go for 
One half. Right. That's if true. you want to. That's true. Two halves, you get two color wars, and, and you get two sore throats and two headaches and everything. Mm. <laughs> All right. And you end up very tired. Yep, you end up very tired. That's true. What do you think about mandatory? Mandatory? Yes. Some, some, some yeshiva is mandatory. Uh, that scares me. I think that, I don't know. What do you think? Does kids have to go to camp? I, I don't know. And who's going to pay for it? <laughs> it's not such a great thing. Does your, does your school ask you what you do in the summer? No. Nope. Okay. See, but I think that they know that there, some kids can go to a camp that's not such a good camp. That's also a concern. But anyways, thanks for calling, all right? Okay, bye. Have a great night. Hi, you're on the air. Yeah. Hello? Hi, how you doing? Baruch Hashem, I just want to say that I was once going in the car, and my mother pointed out a boy to me that he wasn't riding a helmet, just like all his friends, and none of them were riding helmets. And then, like, we we were going onto the block that we wanted to visit someone, and we saw a boy sitting near his bike crying. And so we, my mother asked him why, and he said that he was hit by a car, but he didn't want her to call Tala, because, like, he wasn't so hard, he just a big bump on his head. So my mother called the Tala anyway. That's all came in so that he didn't have a uh, helmet, and he started shouting at him that he should have had a helmet. It wow. really wasn't safe. He could have got brain damage. Oh, right. That's a, that's a very serious story. And you know what? Your mother's a very smart lady for doing that. But kids need to know that it's really dangerous. Thank you for telling me that story, okay? Very responsible. Bye-bye. Hi, hi, you're on the air. Hello? Hi, how you doing? Yeah, what's the topic? Topic is summer. What, we, what we're doing in the summer, the topic is safety. I'm going, uh, what do you mean? I'm going to day camp. You're going to day camp. Okay, I like that. What, what, you like day camp? Yeah, yeah. I think day camp is a good mix because you get the fun. But I also go on a family trip with my family. Okay, where are you going to go this year? I don't know, I still went to Niagara Falls. Ooh, I grew up near Niagara Falls. We used to go there all the time. Because, like, when you grow up near Niagara Falls, every relative that you have, they find you because they want to go to Niagara Falls. So they say, oh, remember me? We're, like, a distant cousin. <laughs> so we went there, like, 20 times. But I think safety by helmet, I, I'm very used to it because I had a lot of stories about helmets. Like, my, my cousin one time got he was not wearing a helmet, and he fell off a bike, and he got all bruised up. It's mamish asakana. It's mamish dangerous. And I think that... I think that if we don't enforce it, then we're really, and then we wonder, God forbid, when a kid gets hurt, we say, oh my, how did that happen? It's really very important. It's very, very important. And, and so it's uncomfortable. So like, like, hello, it's like seatbelts also. You got to do it, right? Yeah. Okay, thanks for calling. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Hi, you're on the air. Anyways, so... I think that there are a few different things. I think that one of the main things is doing things that you don't want to do, but it's the right thing to do. I think it's a very important thing. And that's part of growing up. That's why we need parents. And we have to listen to what our parents tell us. I think that that's the case. But what about some things that, what are things that we don't want to do that, um, that, that, that our parents are telling us to do, and we, and we don't want to do them. And we think that maybe our parents should let us do them. Is there anything like that? 
I don't know, maybe. Because what do you think? There are things that, that we really feel we should be able to do, like freedom to go places or do things, and sometimes parents are worried, and, and they don't let us do it. So I don't know, sometimes, a lot of times, we have to, we have to like, maybe discuss it with our kids, or maybe kids should just realize it. They have to listen to their parents. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult topic. But when you have a conflict, how do you resolve the conflict? Sometimes if my, I have a situation where a kid is acting in such a strange way that even if I agree with them, I don't want to give in because they're just not asking the right way. So it's, uh, okay. Hi, you're on the air. Yeah, I just wanted to tell you that uh, is the topic like with the helmet on your when you're riding your bike? Yeah, that's one of the topics. Yeah. I saw an ad in the Flappers Jewish Journal that it said, it was from Atzal, it said, my parents don't let me ride my bike without my helmet because they love me. That's so true. That's so true. It's, it's because they love you and because they want you to be safe. And you know what? It's just not worth it. It's not worth the risk. And it's not because you may be a bad bike rider. It's because there are a lot of crazy people out there. And people fall. And, you know, it's just... And you like your brain, I think. And you need to preserve your brain. Right? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for calling. Okay. Hi, you're on the air. Hello? Hi. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, Hashem. What's on your mind? What would you like to tell me? About camp. What do you, what's your opinion about camp? Nothing really. Nothing really? So what do you want to say? Nothing much. Nothing much? Okay. I'm glad you called to say nothing much. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, but, well, are you going away to, Are you going away for camp? Are you going away for the summer? Yeah, I'm going to sleep away camp. Okay. So what do you think? Do you think, do you, have you, how long have you been going to sleep away camp? Last year was my first year. And did you have a good time? Sure, you bet. Yeah? Okay. So do you think that it's a experience that every kid could appreciate, or are there some kids that just don't go for it? Oh, I had one kid in my bunk that was homesick. Aha, uh-huh, okay. So did he go home, or did, how'd you make him feel better? He only he went home every Shabbos and then didn't come back second half. Aha, uh-huh, okay. And did anybody think that there was anything wrong with that? The kids also went to the kids saw that other kids are going home, so they also became a little homesick. But then all the kids in the bunk were like, no, you can't do that. We need you here. And then they stayed. Uh-huh. See, I think it's so funny because parents pay so much money to send their kids to camp and the kids want to come home. So I think it's so, sometimes it's like every kid needs to make a decision. But I think there's another aspect of camp also that I think. I want my kids out of the city. I don't like my kids. I want my kids in, in a ruach, in an environment where it's very, very positive, where they're having good experiences. Because in the city, there's a lot of just, like, not great things in the summer. So I think that that's why it's, it's you know, it's good to get out of the city. But anyways, thanks for calling, all right? Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, you're on the air. You're not on the air. Okay, talk about someone writes a text over here about not being able to focus on everyday challenges. You know what? You can uh, email me at uh, askdrsimcha at gmail.com, okay? The 908 guy from Tom's River, New Jersey. Email me at askdrsimcha at gmail.com and we can talk about exactly what's, what your question is.
but, uh, but uh, it's a question about focusing. Anyways, I think that I had one of the most positive experiences I had was a kid walked over to me. He's a Rebbe in Yeshiva now. And he said that I, when he was eight, he was nine years old, he was in camp. And I walked over to him, and he was sad. And I bought him an ice cream because he was having a bad day. He said, and that changed his entire day. I think that if we go to camp, wherever we go in the summer, if we focus on the fact that we have opportunities to make people feel good, and we have opportunities to like really interact in ways that are positive and help people and, and be nice to people, that's one of the things that we can really, really, really build on in the summer because there's not the pressure of learning, there's not the pressure of schools, there's not the pressure of tests. So we can really get close to our friends and we can do nice things to one another. It's a great opportunity to do chesed. And especially if you have someone in your bunk, when do you have an opportunity of being together with like a bunch of other kids? And sometimes there are kids that are singled out or that are different and may feel bad. So like this boy that just called said, everybody got together and said, made them feel good, said, no, we can't. We, we want you to stay. That's a big chesed. To make someone feel important, to make someone feel that they, that they matter, that's a, really, that's a really important thing. We don't get that much. So I think that camp presents a tremendous opportunity for kids to be nice to each other. And I think that if we're going to talk about camp, let's talk about some nice things that people did for you or that you had a chance to do for other people over the summer that can make it like not just a fun experience that can make it a really growing experience. If anybody has a story that they think, like I just said, I bought a kid an ice cream. I remember, you know, kids, they sp you spend time together. Sometimes kids are not so great at sports. You could help someone learn how to play sports a little better or just, you know, just that achdut, that togetherness could really make a big difference. And uh, especially in the competition, you know, I remember I never got, they'd have color war, and then the losing team, you'd have some kids that were crying. I never got that. I, I, ne I never got that. But, um, but anyways, I'm wondering, uh, wondering what other kids think about that. What's a nice story? All right, let me take a call. Hi, you're on the air. Hello? Hi there. Yeah, I want to know your opinion about, like, parents taking home a kid in the middle of camp if, like, he or she is really unhappy. I... I the truth is, I think it's a very individual opinion. I think it's very individual to the kid. I think that parents, anytime such a thing is happening, they should take advice from what's going on in camp. I don't think that any kid should be forced into anything that's a that's a privilege or an option. It's not like, you know, it, it's not an obligation. School is one thing, camp is camp. And uh, if a kid's really not happy, then you know, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking the kid home. I think on the contrary, if you don't take a kid home from camp, the kid can maybe think that the parents just don't want him around. And yeah. But, but uh, what's your opinion? Well, I don't know. I had a um, girl in my bunk last year that she was very unhappy, and she, her parents didn't take her home, but she used to cry to her parents every night to take her home. Well, mommy, she didn't get better? <laughs> no. All right. See, a lot of times, if such a thing would happen, then I would try and get the other bunkmates to, like, make that kid feel better. That was, like, one of the things that when I was head counselor of a camp, I used to do that. Try and make, uh, make the kid feel more at home 
and see if you could do something special for the kids. No, it wasn't, it wasn't really like that she didn't have friends. It was more like of a homesickness type of thing. Right, but a lot of times homesickness can be taken care of by some distraction. Right. I think there's something the counselors really need to be aware of. You know, sometimes, listen, not all counselors are great. Sometimes you get real duds. Right. <laughs> all right. Thanks for calling. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. But uh, higher on the air. Okay. I think that um, I think that that's really important. Sometimes, you know, what do you do when you have a counselor that's mean? And a counselor that's doing something that you don't like. Or what do you do when you see a counselor that's, like, that's acting inappropriately? And you don't want to, how do you say that? It's really important to know that you have to speak up. And you have to say something to an adult that you trust. And you got to bring it to their attention. I don't think you should make a big to-do about things, but I think that you need to know in camp you have to have people you trust and you can't be afraid of bringing up something. If you see something that's not right, even if it's somebody that's not being treated nicely, you know, counselors are counselors and that's fine, but you got to be able to have the ability to speak up if there's something that you don't like, um, if something that's going on that's wrong. And you should be able to speak to your parents about it or speak to somebody that's in charge. Because that's very important. A lot of times kids will think that, you know, nobody's going to listen to them. But that's not true. That's not true. People, if you, if you speak up, people will listen. And it's important. It's important to be able to say what's on your mind and to, if something's bothering you or if something's concerning you, then you should realize that, that we, we really want to know about it and you need to know about it. I'm not talking about, like, stupid things like, uh, like you know, like, uh, my counselor picks his nose. But saying, but talking about important things that, um, that see, a head counselor doesn't know everything and can't see everything. But you don't want to necessarily get the counselor in trouble, but if it's something that's not good, you really want to bring it to attention. Because this is, this is, these things are important. These things are important. Um, a lot of times counselors go more for camp. They go for, they have their own good time. Um, but uh, they have to focus on the campers. Sometimes counselors can like really not like a camper, and that could be a problem. We we had that when I was in camp, and uh, we stood up for the kid, and we kind of like tried to make it even. But um, you know, what I would like I would like maybe a counselor to call in and tell me what they what they think about what I just said, because I kind of like put them on the line, and counselors don't like to be put on the line. So I'm wondering what a counselor would feel like if a kid went and complained about them. Um, and it's, it's, uh, I'd like to hear what they say. I know being a counselor is a very hard job. I don't think that, that uh, it's an easy job, but I think it's an important job. I think you need to really like kids. And if you, you, know, you can't do it for a job, you need to really like kids. And you have opportunity, a counselor has an opportunity to like really reach a kid where a Rebbe or a teacher may not be able to because you're seeing a kid in all different types of situations. Sometimes kids like really grow in the summer. And uh, that's important thing. Actually, one of my, I was a Rebbe like many years ago in camp and one of my, one of my bunk kids ended up being one of my kids' Rebbe's. <laughs> and he reminded my son about stories that I told him. So I said, I didn't realize my stories were so good. But uh, he remembered. 
And you never know. You never know. You look back about things. If anybody has a story about somebody that did some a counselor that made a big difference in their life, you should call up and say this will give encouragement to counselors also. But um, you can really make a big difference. If you could be nice to somebody, you can make the biggest difference in the world. Because that goes the furthest way. Just just being nice to somebody, just treating somebody nicely, it can make a, a huge difference. It can make all the difference in person's life. I don't, I, I'd like to stay away from the negative, but the opposite is also true. A person could be mean to somebody or saying a bad word to somebody, and you know what? It could really, really make a difference. My first teaching job in my life, I was young, and there was a boy in my class that drove me crazy. I don't know why. He just bothered me, and I was going to quit. Because I said, I can't help it. He didn't do anything wrong. It just bothered me. So I called up my mashkiach, my rabbi that I asked questions to. And I told him, I have to quit this job. Because this boy bothers me and he feels it. Because I can't hide the way I feel. Because I'm a kohen and I just like express things the way it is. So I said, give me advice. Should I quit the job? So he told me, you know what? Is there a place for ice cream near his school? I said, yeah. He says, take him for ice cream after school. So I said, maybe you didn't understand what I said. The guy makes me crazy. I, I'm happy when the school's over and I can go home. Now you're telling me to take him for ice cream after school? He goes, yeah, take him for ice cream. So I took him for ice cream. I didn't enjoy my ice cream, which is very strange for me because I really like ice cream. And then I called up my Rebbe. I said, so now what? He goes, take him for pizza. I said, oh, no, so you're going to make me take him to Chavanash and have a sit-down dinner. I said, come on. This is like, he said, just do it. So I did it. And the more time I spent with him and the more I gave to him, the more I realized he needed that so badly. And I became so attached to him and I didn't realize at the end of the year, I left the school, he left the school. I never saw him again. Thirteen years later, I'm in Landau's, I'm praying. Like I said, everything happens in Landau's. And I see him. First of all, he got much, much taller than me. <laughs> he, looked, he came over to me and goes, what happened? Why did you start liking me? So I told him, I said, because I worked on myself. He goes, it made all the difference in my life, he said. That year you gave me changed my entire life. And I felt good about myself, and I realized how it could be annoying, and my whole life was different. So you never know. You never know. And it never gets lost. As a Rebbe, as a teacher, as a counselor, if you show a kid niceness, you can change their entire life. And kids never forget. Kids never forget. And... and and that's that's really you have a lot of a lot of power, a lot of power and a lot of a lot of ability to change a kid's life. And also, you think that if you have something nice to say, people just don't compliment so readily. Say something nice. You just tell a kid what they're good at. Tell them what you like about them. It's very important to hear it because kids don't hear it all the time. And if you could say it, it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. And, and you can really change a kid's life. 
I remember certain things the kids said that people said to me. I also remember bad things that people said to me. And generally, unless it's really important, there's no reason to say something bad. It means if a person is going to end up feeling bad about it and they're not going to really accept it and change, then there's no point. There's really no point. Sometimes people think you have to tell someone when they're doing something wrong. Not if they're not going to be able to hear it. Not if they're not going to be able to hear it. It doesn't pay. It doesn't pay. I was once, you know, Nisim, I was once in my yeshiva. There was this woman, next door neighbor, every Shabbat, Musaf, she used to go into her garden. We'd be praying Musaf, and she'd be in her garden working, clipping flowers, all the malachot de alraita. So one of the guys said to me, you know, Simcha, you're a nice guy. You could probably speak to her and, and you know, convince her not to do it. So my ge'ava got a hold of me. And I said, you know, yeah, I probably could. So I went outside in my talet, because, uh, you know, Sparadim wear talet. They were walking there. I said, Shabbat Shalom. How are you? Well, it's nice to talk, to talk to her. I said, you know, you're such a nice lady. You don't have to, like, you should be relaxing on Shabbat. What's the point? There's so many nicer things to do. So she looked at me. She says, you know, you're right. And she went inside. So I was very proud of myself. So my rabbi, the same rabbi, he told me the advice about the pizza. He called me over the next day. He goes, I hear, I hear you went. You got Mrs. So-and-so to go inside. I said, yeah. So he said, uh, all you did was embarrass her. I said, what do you mean? He goes, what do you think she's going to say when you come over with your toilet and you tell her Shabbat Shalom? She's embarrassed. She went inside. What did you teach her? He didn't teach her anything. She went inside because she realized, oh my gosh, there's a whole bit midrash of yeshiva boys staring at me every Shabbat. So I said, so what's the alternative? She said, the alternative is send her flowers Arab Shabbat. Bring her halot Arab Shabbat. Say, this is something special for you for Shabbat. Give her things that are not embarrassing. When a person is in the middle of something, to approach them, sometimes it's just not the best thing. Learned a big lesson from that. All right. It's a big uh, chokhmah. Yeah. It's also hitgabrut. It's also control. Because mm-hmm. we, like, we like to change people. You know, that's what I like about chachamim, uh, that they, they give you a, a different opening on the, the, the look, the perspective. Just suddenly take you off yeah. and put you in a different location. And from this location, you see a total different total. Uh, picture. It's Somet- amazing. It's really amazing. amazing. And sometimes you think they're going to tell you something like radical, but they don't. They tell you, they tell you, that, you know, take back, step back. Because they have the perspective of the Torah. The perspective of the Torah is patience. Sablanut. Sablanut. Hashem, you know how much patience Hashem has with us? Whoa. <laughs> it's like someone said to me that, that, that he has... He has Problems with with being selfish and in, in, in things like that. Said, Hashem has so much patience with us, and He lets us grow up. We start little and we grow. It takes a long time before he, Hashem looks at what we do. Yeah. How you're on? How you're on the air? Hi, I'd like to remain anonymous, although I doubt I'm going to be able to because a lot of people recognize my voice. Okay. I work as a counselor in a certain camp, and I find exactly what you said when you show genuine care to somebody. 
it goes a long way. It does. It does. I'm so happy that you're calling and you're saying that. And you know something? I could tell, first of all, you know, I, don't, I don't know who you are, but you have care in the way you're talking. And for, the, for you as an adult, all right, it changes your life as well. Definitely. Because it gives you an opportunity. See, in yeshiva, you have rebellion. They have the front line, and they're the ones that are giving. You have an opportunity to really connect with people and change people's lives. And I'm sure you had good counselors when you went to camp. Well, I don't know about that part, but at least I tried on my part to uh, give over to my campers as best as I can with the others my that is. Okay. So, so who sets the example for you? Who sets the example for me? So really, I mean, it's compiled from a lot of people around. I try to keep my eyes open to constantly be in touch with my Arabian and learning from people around me, and um, I, especially from my own camp that I was in. And, uh, you know, the, the head staff there is also pretty amazing, and That's I great. learned a lot from them in particular. That's great. I'd rather not mention their names on the air, just, I guess, fine. to protect them. But um, also my brother had a lot to do with this, because my brother, he compiled a pamphlet that uh, was called Being the Counselor You Wish You Had, and which was phenomenal. I showed it to my RBM, and they said, this is not just for counselors. This is for everybody. That's amazing. It's just showing genuine care. That's amazing. Where can someone get this pamphlet? So... I tried getting my brother to publish it, and I was like, you know, this is really amazing, and uh, you know, you really got to get it out. And he's like, no, I'm not interested. I wanted to get out. Come from wherever. first. I said, I have my head fast in my camp, which were very prestigious individuals. And I was like, you know, don't they okayed it? You know, what more do you need? He said, no, I'm not interested. Basically, I still have it sitting by me, and um, I was like, I, you know, if, if people want to borrow it, I guess. My right. brother's not going to blow my head off for it, but um, yeah, basically I, I've given it out to some people, and it has helped counselors. You know, hopefully, and not hopefully, I'm thinking it has helped counselors themselves but to have an easier time with their bunk. At the same time, while giving the campers an amazing summer. That's an unbelievable thing. But you know something? But for your brother to have the foresight to want to give over such a thing, just that just goes to show you that in itself is what it's all about. It's about realizing that you could spread something and you could enhance something. And to want to spread that is such a, that's such an important thing. And um, mm -hmm. tell your brother that he could publish it anonymously or just like, you know what, just give it out to the camps. I'm sure if he sent it, you know, if you want to send it over to us, maybe we can help him. He doesn't have to put his name on it. But if it's good material, it's really needed. It's really right. needed. All right. Thank you for calling. Um, also, one more thing, by the way. Yes. One more thing. You mentioned about genuine care. Reminded me of a son called me up from camp once, and he said to me, he says, you know, I know this kid. He has certain situations going on in him. Should I tell him that I know what's going on? I said, what's your purpose in trying to find out and, you know, get underneath his skin for it? To show him, oh, I know what's going on with your life, yet I still care about you. Is it your purpose to know what's going on in his life so that you have an understanding, or is it to actually help him, you know, help him feel better with his situation? Like, are you doing this in order to help him better his situation, or are you doing it just so you know what's going on with his life? Ah, to show genuine care about the situation, show genuine care to each person, you're as a person. Not as, like, you know, somebody told me, he says he went to a therapist, and he says he came in trouble, went out suicidal. He says it was ridiculous. They, they looked at him like a DSM, you know. Everything is just like, you know, whatever the book says. He says, look at me like a person. I'm a, I have feelings. You're a very, very smart man. I'll tell you, the Chazon Ish said, when I studied to be a psychologist, my Rosh Hashiva told me something from the Chazunish that guided my life. He said, a human being is a Rishut Hayachid. 
A human being is a shusayachit. You're not allowed in unless they open the door. And just because I have the ability to manipulate somebody to open up the door for me, that's, that's called violating and trespassing. And what you just said is so important. The idea and the objective of somebody working with a kid is not to show that they're smart enough to figure out what the kid's problem is and put it in their face, but to just care for the kid and to provide for the kid the understanding that that they're there and and let the kid, if he'll bring it up, he'll bring it up, but not to necessarily let the kid know that you know what's going on in their life. Because sometimes a kid needs to preserve their dignity. And I had some a kid, if someone was in my in therapy with me for 12 months before they told me something, and I knew about it. Within the first month, I figured it out. And when they told me, I said, okay. They looked at me, they said, you didn't figure this out? So I said, I did. They said, why didn't you tell me? I said, because it's not mine to tell. And when you're ready to give it to me, you'll give it to me. The person told me that, she, that they went to five different therapists, and each therapist told them right away what the problem was, and they ran away. The only way was for them to be able to give it up on their own. Thanks for calling. Thank yep. you for your show. Okay, you thank you. Listen, call, you could uh, communicate with me on askdrsimcha.gmail.com. I'd like to talk to you more. You sound like you have a lot to contribute, okay? <laughs> thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, bye. Hi, you're on the air. Me? Yeah, you. How you doing? Um, I want to say something. I have, um... A science fair tomorrow, and my teacher was going crazy about me because my science project didn't um, look how it's supposed to look, and my friend started crying who was on my, who was with, who was doing it with me. That's so terrible. Oh, I feel horrible about that. And science is like one of those things that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So, I don't say, what do you mean when you say going crazy on you? What does that mean? It means he was starting to scream at me and my friend who was doing it with me. Oi, that's a terrible story. I feel I feel really bad about that. What was your science project? About the water cycle. So can you describe it to me? It's basically dry ice turning into a cloud and water evaporating. It sounds pretty sophisticated to me. And... And I can also think about how some things can go wrong, but um, I don't know. You know what? Sometimes teachers just have bad days. So, it's, is your friend better now? I mean, is is he doesn't want to go to school tomorrow? And tomorrow's the science fair. All right, All right that's not good. Is maybe could he speak to his parents about it, or he doesn't want to? He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. Well, he came home. He didn't want to eat dinner. Right. His mom texted um, my mom about it. All right. Well, if he's listening, so I hope he is, then I hope he hears me say it's really not a big deal. Science fair is a nice thing, but it's not the end of the world. And my science projects really very rarely worked. And it's not something, it's not, it's not something to be embarrassed about. Hello. And no one should feel so bad. And there's a lot of other school besides that also. You know what I'm saying? Um, maybe maybe he should speak to his parents about it and his parents should call the teacher. 
might be a good idea. I think my mother called the teacher. Okay. And what did the teacher say? I don't know. All right. I think it's terrible, no? It's ba- it bothers it's, you know, me it's, so it's much. It's outbreaking. I think it's outbreaking to kids at work try to do something. And if it's even it's not where it seems to them in the eyes of the cheat teacher that has to be considered that the kids try to do something and you know it's the it's amazing. Uh, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I don't. I really don't get it. And sometimes it sounds like the science project is more for the teacher than for the kid. It's more the parents sometimes. You know. <laughs> you know that's uh, I I'd let my kids to choose themselves and I try to stand aside, but. It's amazing. Uh, uh, it's and not every. It's kid. not every. Uh, not you know. I saw so many things. You know, for example, you know the Kishorni Kishorni uh, k- competition. What do you call it? A contest. Yeah. I saw over there something amazingly and something that not so amazing. But it's it's very nice and it's very something to to encourage every everyone to do something and to learn from the each other other kids. You know. Yeah, okay. Unfortunately, we don't have. Uh, we cannot control the. All the teachers, unfortunately. Thank God it's only Thanks. science. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, you know, I, I got a phone call from uh, really. Uh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you for calling. Okay, bye. Bye. I got a phone call from a teacher, and she heard you story about the ice cream that you took the kids. And she told me the story. She didn't want to be an heir. But uh, she had a boy that's very, very tough to control in the class. And she didn't know what to do, and the parents wasn't wasn't so cooperative. And one day she saw him that he doesn't he doesn't eat, and it was like something food that was mixture mixture uh you know spaghetti with the meatballs you know. And she asked him why why you don't eat, and said I don't like the meatball. And she what she did she took out the this the, the forks and start separate all the meat from the spaghetti. And she gave him, so he saw that the teacher really caring about him and really starting to behave a total new kids. Wow. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story. And it's a beautiful story, and it just, any teacher can do that. To just show an interest. First of all, teachers notice if a kid eats, doesn't eat. My son's Rebbe gives me information about my children. All all my kids are being. And it's so important to me. That I know that he's looking and he's caring, not just if the kid's learning, but if the kid's eating, if the kid's feeling okay. Really, really amazing. It makes all the difference in the world. I remember my kindergarten teacher, how she used to care about me. I remember my fifth grade teacher. I remember my seventh grade teacher didn't, but that's <laughs> the point. But you, you have no idea. It's a beautiful story, and I feel bad that that teacher wanted to be anonymous. But you know something? It, it makes such a difference in the world. It does. No, but I, I think that she doesn't want that the parents uh, to feel, uh, you know, that if she's breaking the privacy, as you say. I hear you. You're you know? right. You're right. It's, uh, I think it's the right decision. And uh, myself, I changed some details, but it's okay. 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 I hear you. I had a teacher that used to call me names. When I was in fifth grade, he used to call me names. He used to call me Fatso. He used to call me Buffalo. And he used to make fun of me. And I told my parents, and they those days, they didn't really believe me. And I tried to tape him. And in the 70s, you could only get big tape recorders. 
So I had this big wash tape recorder in my <laughs> knapsack. You could only tape a half hour at a time. And so half hour into class, it clicked, and he realized I was taping him. Oh, he did. He, he killed me. But meanwhile, so life goes on. I grew up. And when I was in principal in Yeshiva of King's Day, I put an ad in the newspaper for a teacher. And I said, please fax your resume to Simcha Cohen. <laughs> and Hashem, I got his resume. He faxed it in to me to apply for a job. Wow. So I called him up. What can I tell you? I was young. And I interviewed him on the phone for a half hour. And after the whole conversation, I said, you know, you were a Rebbe in this and this school? He said, uh, yeah. I said, do you remember Rabbi Cohen's fat son? He said, what? I said, yeah, that fat boy you used to call Buffalo. You used to call a, a chubby, chubby guy. He says, why are you asking me? I said, because that fat boy turned into a fat principal. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, I, I'm not going to hire you. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I said, I forgave you a long time ago. But maybe you should like pick a different vocation because maybe education's not for you. If you're still doing it 20 years later, then I don't know. But I think about the fact that the, I am so careful when I speak to kids about how I speak to them. And I attribute it to this guy because he made me, I was pretty confident he made me feel so bad. He thought he was joking, but I, you don't really joke with kids. You cannot joke, and you cannot, you know, with feeling is something that's uh, unpredictable, you know. It's sometimes you can say the word, and I see it myself, and you don't understand. I tell you, I just, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm to, to say it in the radio. Uh, I was in a, one of Simchot this week, and somebody came to me and said, please, can you bless me? I said, I am to bless you? <laughs> what, what, what do you want for my life? I don't... And he told me, you remember, you told me something during tefillah one time. He was a kid. A kid. Said, when you're praying, it seems like the angel comes around you. And this is amazing, you know. I will remember it. I, I, I just, you know, I, I say it's because I really meant it, you know. Just, and I tried to give a good words for, for especially everyone that come into the shul. And he remembered this. And it keep, you know, as he said, only you, 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 you must bless me. I, it's, I take it, you know, I told my wife, you know, look what, what is small sentence to the kids. <laughs> I had, but everything that happens with the kid, and you know, if you're Zocher, Hashem shows it to you. And I think also when a kid really care, when you really care, and your chesed, it's a kesher, it's a connection that lasts forever. I, I, hi, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. What's on what's your mind? The, um, what's the theme? What's the theme tonight? Yeah. We're, talk, yeah. we're talking about a lot of different things. Teachers that do things and teachers that make a difference and counselors that make a difference. Oh, so I called in once and I said that um, one we had, like, we were, our teacher got married and 
she now have a new teacher. That was a long time ago. Right. And then, then another time I called in and I told you that we're making a lot of trouble. Right. Okay. So we stopped. Right. And now our teacher seems to be really nice. See, look at that. So we have another chapter in the saga yeah. of your teacher's history. Okay. So now let's oh. see what happens. So now we have a nice teacher. So if you behave, she'll be nice. Right? Yeah. And now you, and, you can yeah, call in well, in September and tell us about your next teacher. Yeah. Oh. I'm, I'm, I think next year I'm having six teachers. Six teachers. Okay, so you can call I'm in. Going, you're going to what grade? Seventh, yeah. Seventh grade? Six. Sixth grade. Okay. So you can call in six times. Yeah. Also, um, but now a lot of girls in my class are having like a contest. And uh, there's two teams, and our class wants to be together in one whole thing. So now it's a whole big mashup again. Uh -huh. But it's like not as bad as last time. Sounds like there's a lot of drama in your school. Yeah. Um, in my class. In your class, makes it it makes it like a little more interesting, though, right? Yeah. Okay. As long as nobody gets hurt. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Hello? Hi. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Anyways, so I think that the uh, drama is like, there's politics in, well, boys don't have that much politics. Girls, girls have more politics than boys. Yeah? Yeah. I think so. Girls, boys but have? I, I don't know, you know, but, but I think that the things that really bother me is that you, you, you spoke about your previous teacher that spoke ugly this is something very, I would say, quite common in in schools, and I'm talking about uh, not only not only in re uh, you know definitely not in yeshivot, but uh, in regular schools. I fired a teacher in front of a class because he spoke inappropriately to kids. I gave him an opportunity to pull back what he said, and he didn't want to do it. And he said terrible things to kids, and he insulted them. I said, come on, you're joking, right? Come on, you're joking. He said, no, I'm not joking. I said, really? I said, you're just joking. He said, no, I'm not joking. <laughs> and Hazit, the guy just kept on, he said, I said, tell the kids that you're joking. You don't mean what you're saying. No, I mean what they're saying. I mean exactly what I'm saying. I said, then you can't work here. He goes, so what should I do? I said, go pick up your paycheck and go home. He says, you're really firing me? I said, you fired yourself. I gave you five opportunities. The things he said were so muzar. He was evidently having some sort of mishigas. And he came back, and he had, he had to apologize to these kids in front of the class. And he did. And the kids felt bad, and they, they said, he, we should yeah. hire him back. Okay, we have a listener. Okay, what's on your mind? Hi, how are you? Okay. Um, I'm a preschool teacher. Okay. And um, I wanted to let you know something that happened to me um, once in my life. I experienced a mess. Um, I deal with preschool children, and you have to be very sensitive to their feelings, and you, know, you have to be very careful how you speak to them. And one year, I, I experienced a Tashka Hapsanti. I was teaching them Alistair. Like, I felt like it was it was a mess. Like, it was like on someone giving me a sign that, you know, that he was happy. I was teaching Alistair, and I was in a basement, and the next-door neighbor had um, a fence. 
that had those green strips that go in between the, right. you know, the metal fence, whatever. Right. And um, it was a sunny day, and I'm teaching Alice that, and then all of a sudden, um, the sun went through that, you know, those those um, those strips, yeah, those slats, and an Alice illuminated on the floor when wow. I was teaching Alice that. And I was like, all the kids are like, Mama, there's an Alice. I'm like, where, where, where? So and we cool. saw an Alice on the, I know. <laughs> it never happened again. But I just felt like Hashem was like, you know, like smiling so, at me. So let me tell you and something. And it was just amazing. Let me tell you something. That's a beautiful story. But when you walk into a classroom and you see little kids light up and say the alphabet, that in itself is a nest. The beauty and the vibrancy and the glow of children learning alphabet is an innate miracle because we're teaching Torah, we're teaching Hashem's Torah, we're teaching Ruchnius to little children on a level that's going to change their entire life. And I said this many times, but my uncle, my father's brother, Alev Shalom, used to teach Alephbet in Porat Yosef in Yerushalayim. And I was once walking with him, and Hamordechai Eliyahu was coming out of Hechal Shlomo, and he crossed the street with his, with his entourage, and he kissed my uncle's hand. And he said to his Talmudim, this man taught me Kola Torah Kula, taught me the whole Torah. And he, then he said something, was 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 what he meant. He said, not because he taught me how to read the Aleph Bet. He taught me because he taught me to love learning because of the attitude and because of the way he taught it. So you know what? It's not the Aleph Bet alone. It's the love of learning and the excitement that you have clearly in the way you're speaking about it that you realize that you're, you're not teaching preschool, you're teaching generations. Yeah. You're planting seeds. My sister's a first grade teacher for 30 years. She wouldn't teach anything else because that's the foundation. That that's, I remember Mrs. Reva Levison, may she rest in peace, in Rochester, New York, was my kindergarten teacher, and she changed my life. And, that's true. And it, that's just an unbelievable thing. That's true. I remember my first grade teacher... Mrs. Lichtenstein for Meg and David. Um, I can never forget how she taught um, the Pedasha. She used to stand in front of the class and act out the Pedasha. She used to, you know, like bend over like an old woman or speak like a baby and just like walk, just like acted out the whole thing. Baruch Hashem, I'm 43 years old now and I could Amen. still see her teaching um, the Pedasha. You know something? Well, you're talking yeah. about Meg and David. And Meg and David, Mrs. Brudney, may she rest in peace was a teacher that I just, every, every time I think about that, she was such an unbelievable influence, even on us as other teachers, other people. And, you know, it was just that attitude that just changes everything. It changes and can make all the difference in the world. And you know something? You're right. That it's, that's the power. That's the power of teaching. That's the power it's of true. teaching. And one more story. Also, Mrs. Spector, also from first grade, she was an English teacher, and we didn't have stickers or stamps or anything special, but we just we just loved the way she just made. Um, she just drew a star and with a circle around, like in one 
you know, like without lifting up her pen. Rabbi Russ would <laughs> we never so allow amazed. stickers. <laughs> Rabbi Russ would never allow stickers. Okay. Uh, sorry to, but, to disturb. <laughs> this is really it's supposed to be no, in the it's beginning. it's really amazing. Just like the love that just went yes. through and just like penetrated my heart. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I just want to mean. That's what I mean. Not, yeah. You know and it's worth the, the extra two minutes that we already uh, passed for the show. Hey, I started two minutes <laughs> late, so it's okay. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you for calling. Thank you. This killer okay. mitzvot. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Okay, thank you. Okay. So we started late. We had a little oyoyoys in the beginning, so yeah. now we can, so we could, anyways... The so computer, the computer is uh, the tough on us, you know. Hello. Uh, so so that's you know why what? I have the fingers running here. And so be, you can <laughs> just get the guy okay. back him up a little bit. That's okay. all right. <laughs> okay. This is a good. This is good, Nisim. It's good to have you back. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know my wife so appreciate, but it's okay. <laughs> Listen, my wife appreciates it. I'm here, not here alone. But the main thing is, anybody knows any interaction you have with another person can make a difference that you'll never know. Just you a smile, know. just a good word. It makes, it can make a difference that you'll never know the ramifications.